0: Tonight. Good to see you here on a Sunday night, and thank the Lord to, uh, to be able to be back at His house. Once again, I've been away for about a week, and it's just kind of like uh, what was it uh, Dorothy said there's no place like home, there is no place like Central Baptist Church. I'm thankful for good churches all over this country, uh, but I miss being here with our people, and it was good to be here this morning. Great spirit, and looking forward to what God wants to do in the service tonight. Let's take our Bibles out and go back to the uh, Old Testament tonight. Isaiah, very familiar chapter, chapter number 6. We're going to continue our Bible study, if you want to call it that. I know it kind of dips over into preaching from time to time, but uh, continue our series on finding the how to your now. Uh, And as you turn there tonight, I do want to reiterate what Brother Nate said. Uh, Please continue to remember Brother Ron uh, tonight, Ballard. Uh, As he's having all of these tests run Uh, I talked to Brother Bill this afternoon And it does seem like they're leaning heavily uh, Toward cancer And he did mention that we're able to uh, They didn't mind if we mentioned that Uh, But the Lord has blessed them Uh, They're able to get on top of this right now And get an idea of what's going on rather quickly With the barrage of tests They're going through uh, the bone marrow biopsy will be uh, tomorrow Pray for him as they go through this Uh, Talk to them when I got back in town on, On Friday or Saturday I can't remember what day it was Uh, And it's just amazing what a week may hold. That could be your family next week. You have no idea. Go to the doctor, having a little pain here or there, and only to find out that it's cancer. You remember them tonight. You pray for him and pray for them as they continue to navigate this. Also did want to mention, uh, several of you had asked a couple of weeks ago uh, when Brother Ferret was here about some of the Beams boxes. They were run out of them. We bought all that they had. We took all that they had, I think 90-something boxes. uh, And so uh, Brother Butch brought us some new ones this week. And I think there's about 10 of them in Miss Sarah's office. We dumped them off in Miss Sarah's office, uh, so they're there. So if you'd like one uh, after the service, be sure to, uh, if you don't mind, see Miss Sarah. And I'm sure she'd appreciate you getting them out of her office. We just dumped them in there. Uh, but how exciting it is that we ran them out. We got all that they had, and uh, they have already been shipped. It was a blessing to see several of our young people uh, going in together and getting some of those beams boxes to get Bibles around the world. Matter of fact, I took a couple of them to the post office to mail them, uh, And the lady says, where are these going? I said, excuse me? She says, where are these going? I've already had two more of these today. This is the third one I've had today. I thought, what a wonderful testimony at Central Baptist Church that our people are faithful to get the word of God out and around the world. And uh, there's 10 more of them, okay? First come, first serve, okay? That's the American way, right? We're not socialists around here. First come, first serve. You want one, you better fight and claw to get there and get that, all right? Isaiah chapter 6, let's get spiritual, if we could, for a few minutes, Isaiah chapter 6, let's look down to verse number 1, we we'll read down about verse number 8. Let's go ahead and stand if we could. Stretch your legs just for a few minutes. Isaiah chapter number six, very familiar passage, you know it well, Uh, but we're going to look at Isaiah's calling tonight and find out how he fulfilled his now, he found the need, the opportunity, and the work in the will of God for his life, Uh, we've gone through several in the past few weeks, past few months, in our new theme of finding our now this year, and uh, let's look at Isaiah and figure out how he fulfilled God's will for his life, the Bible says, Isaiah 6.1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory." And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, here's the response of what he's seen, "'Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts.'" Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Thank the Lord. Verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I'm going to read part of verse number 9. The Bible, uh, the Bible says, and he said, he's about to sum up his calling, go and tell this people. Let's stop there. Father, thank you for the great day we've had today. Thank you for blessing our service. Uh, and Lord, I pray you bless again tonight. Lord, we rely upon you and depend upon you, Lord, tonight to do what only you can do. Uh, Lord, the work that needs to be done is within the hearts of man in my heart tonight, the hearts of those that are here and the many that are watching on live stream. Father, I pray that, Lord, we'd open it up right now as this morning we'd enlarge our heart and allow you, Lord, to go inside to do the work. If there's something that needs to be pulled out, Lord, point that out to us. Uh, Lord, if there's something that needs to be brought in, help us be willing to do that tonight. Help us to learn, receive, and respond to your word for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we jump right in tonight, uh, continuing this series on how to find the how to our now, it's practical. Uh, I've told you so many times to go throughout this series, one of my burdens this year is that we not just get stirred up and excited. I hope you get stirred up, and I do hope you get excited. Uh, Oftentimes, we go to conferences, and we go to uh, whatever, uh, camp meetings and rallies, and we get stirred up, and we get excited about that, and all of that's great, all of that's wonderful, but it's useless if you never put that into action, and I'm thankful this year uh, that through the series of messages that the Lord's allowed us to have, we're following people who found and fulfilled their now, God's will for their life at this particular time. And tonight we're going to look at Isaiah. We're going to look at the need, the opportunity, and the work, N-O-W. My daughter told me the other day, Dad, after you preach that, now you know it's almost April. Dad, after you preached that the other day, I just realized it was an acronym. All right, so for those of you who don't realize, it is an acronym, N-O-W, need, opportunity, work. I thought that was kind of simple, but evidently my daughter learns from me. Amen, she gets that from her dad. Uh, but we're going to look at the need, the opportunity of Isaiah tonight and jump right in. Look down to verse number six, uh, The Bible, or verse number eight. The Bible says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us. Notice the question mark that is there. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, do you know what Isaiah is interpreting out of this? What God is asking is who is available, all right? So right off the bat, Isaiah is seeing the need for With God is calling him to. And number one tonight, the need is availability. Now folks, this is of the utmost importance. If we're going to fulfill our now, if we're going to find our now and fulfill God's will for our life in 2022, collectively as a church, and then individually as a member of this body of believers, listen, if we're going to do that, at very least, we must be available. Now, folks, we've heard it before. The most important ability is what? Availability. Now, why do we say that? I know it's cliche, but it's very true. The only ability or the most important ability is availability. The reason that is, if you're not available, what good is all of the tools and the talents you have if they're not there? You may be the most talented Christian in the world. You may be able to sing like Miss Macy and the kids tonight. Uh, You may be able to preach like nobody's business. You might be able to witness uh, to anybody on the street. But if you're not available, all of those tools and resources, they're in vain. And so right off the bat in Isaiah's call, the Bible says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Why is that important? Because number one, you've got to be available. If you're going to be used by God, you've got to see the need for availability. I'll give an example. Several years ago, I was working on my car in Louisiana, and I couldn't get uh, a nut off. I mean, it was just put on there uh, in the factory. I just couldn't get it off my hand. And a buddy was over there watching me work. It's always good to have a buddy watch you work, isn't it? And uh, he's standing there, and he says, I bet my impact wrench could get that off. <laughs> I've been here 15 minutes. Working throwing my feet up in the air trying to leverage to get this nut off And you now tell me I bet my impact wrench could get that off of there I says I bet it could he goes, but I didn't bring it with me (laughs) You ever just want to throw punch somebody You may not be in touch with your sin nature as I am with mine my flesh Look, I try to mortify the deeds of the flesh like we talked about this morning. I try but it's like Frankenstein It comes back to life sometimes Especially around dumb people. I says, Well, look, sure, that would help me, but it doesn't help me if it's not here. Now, folks, understand this tonight. You may be the most talented Christian in the world, but you're no good to the will of God if you're not available. If you're not present and accountable for the use within the will of God. I believe tonight, look, we're very good at pointing out the lack of morality in the world. Are we not? I mean, it's easy to see. We post about it. We see how the world is just going downhill so fast and evil and darkness is growing exponentially. We see that. Uh, we were in just Savannah this past week. Uh, and uh, in Savannah, it's home to the Prohibition Museum. I thought, well, I think I'd like to go to that. Miley wanted to go to that. And so we walked down to the, uh, the city market there where the Prohibition Museum is at. Looked very, very uh, quality presentation. I said, we need to go in and see about this. Prohibition, great time in uh, American history. Amen? Amen. Boy, some of you missed a good one. I try to help. Some of you folks that are new to amen I try to throw you a softball up an alley-oop every once in a while. That was an easy one. This is no joke. We got in line, did we not, Miley, to go in the Prohibition Museum, and we got behind a group of people that were exceptionally loud. All right. Their conversation had been lubricated. They're standing there no joke, Brother Nate, with glasses of beer walking in the Prohibition Museum. And then it startled me to realize in the basement of the Prohibition Museum is a bar. And there's people laughing and cutting up. Matter of fact, we decided not to go in. They were there mostly, mainly mocking sin, carrying around alcohol, walking in to the Prohibition Museum. And then a few minutes later, this is no joke, we're standing on the street, we hear this loud mob roaring toward us. You know, oftentimes I get mistaken for Tom Cruise, somebody like that. I thought it may be somebody asking for my, just kidding, you know, maybe Gomer Pyle. And they're coming toward me. This is no joke. There was this large bicycle and the bicycle had benches on both sides of it, even a top on it. And everybody, it's a, it's a rolling bar. It was a rolling bar. And there's people, there's one man, I hope he wasn't drinking, but everybody on the left side and right side of the rolling bar, they were just drunk as a skunk singing their lives away, going down the road, happy as a lark. I'm thinking, what kind of a world are we living in? People just go, I mean, talk about drinking and driving. I mean, they were on a bicycle, I'm glad they weren't in a car, but they were on a bicycle going down the road, laughing, carrying on, having a great time, drunk as a skunk. Evil is growing exponentially in our world, and we can see there's a deficit of of morality in our world. But let's pause there just for a second. We're not as keen to recognize the deficit of availability for the people of God as we are the deficit of morality in the world. Do you know why there's a deficit of morality? Because there's a deficit of availability. It's easy for us to look and see what's wrong with the world. Growing up as a kid, I used to hear all the old preachers say, you know what's wrong with the world? I probably could write a novel of all the different things are wrong with the world that I heard growing up as a kid. There's a lot of things wrong with the world, and we see what's wrong with the world. But one of the greatest things that's wrong with the world that we don't see is there's a lack of God's people being available to be a part of the solution to what's wrong with the world. All right? We can't just sit back in our recliners all day long and say, boy, this world's going to hell. Yes, it is. What are you doing about it? The Bible says here, look at verse number eight. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? There's no way to find and fulfill your now without making yourselves available to be used in the will of God. I believe that's one of the greatest problems we're facing in the world today. It's Christian availability. Give an example. What does the Bible say in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty? And I sought for a man among them with eloquent speech, no, it didn't say that. Most talented orator. No, it didn't say that. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. But what does it say? I found none. I found none. Do you know what the problem was? Do you know what the need was? It was availability. He says, "I I found none." You say, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with the world. It's gas prices. Well, I don't like it either. That's not what's wrong with the world. i tell you what's wrong with the world. Corrupt politicians. No, corrupt politicians are just doing what corrupt politicians do. The problem is Christians aren't doing what Christians are supposed to be doing. There's a lack of availability. The reason there's a hole in the hedge. Do you know when that hedge is solid, it's hard for some of this stuff to get in? It's hard for that serpent to get in when there's no hole in the hedge. But there's a hole in the hedge. And here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. We're sitting inside the hedge in our Lazy Boy, manufactured in Mississippi, of course. Sitting in there, our Lazy Boy, inside the hedge says, yeah, there's a hole in the hedge. And there's wickedness getting in here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on my phone. I'm going to post on Facebook. All this wickedness getting in the world. Crickets, man. Listen to me. There's a problem tonight with Christian availability. Look, the need is for us to decide we're going to be a problem of plugging the hole of where all the immorality is coming into the world. That's why he says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here's what's interesting. We look out at the world today and we look at all the trouble that we're experiencing, we look at how evil has almost gotten to the place where it seems like those who try to live a basic moral life by basic moral values, you're in somewhat of a a minority. I honestly don't believe that's the case. I just believe they're a vocal minority, and we're a silent majority. We're a silent majority. Folks, if we're going to fulfill our now, it begins with seeing the need for availability. Now, here's the problem. I believe, that, I told my wife this this afternoon, we fundamentally misunderstand the meaning of the word available. Okay? I believe we fundamentally misunderstand the definition of the word available. Give you an example. Uh, Miss Bonnie Grubb corrupted my wife and introduced her to Ikea. I did not know what an Ikea was. I had never been to an Ikea. How many of you have been to an Ikea? Mm-hmm. You know where we're going with this. We walked in. Look, any store that has its own parking garage, beware. Beware! we got in we went up two escalators in the store. I'm thinking I hope all of this is not square footage of shopping sure enough It was we get up there We start off with one of these bags on your shoulder All right, and you know just gonna get a little of this a little of that an hour into it. We had graduated to a buggy And then after that we were on a buggy with me carrying extra stuff in my arm Miley carrying extra stuff My wife was euphoric She's walking around, I'm just overloaded with joy. Look, it's worth it every time. I would drive my wife to Atlanta tomorrow if it would bring that much joy again. It was amazing. She's walking around. She saw this little shelf. She wanted this shelf. She bought it. We brought it home. We got it home yesterday or, or Friday night. I think it was Friday night, Thursday night. We got home Thursday night. And uh, Friday, she's putting it together on the floor. And, of course, it's a shelf this big, and it has glass doors, and it's that tall, and it came in a box that thick. No joke. That wide, like that long We get home And there's all these pieces on the floor and An instruction manual You know, all that stuff's from Sweden, right? Switzerland, Sweden, something like that You can't hardly read it We bought all this food, we have no idea what it is It tastes good, but we couldn't even read the wrapper Because we don't understand it Well, I had a lot of studying to do And I told my wife, I said, if you need help Let me know <laughs> Out the back door, close the door Sitting on the porch Now, I made an appearance that I was available, but it was kind of a conditional availability. You've got to really be in a bind before I'm going to come in there. Now, that's not availability. Look, being available and being optional are two totally different things. Most of us as Christians were optional. Only if you absolutely need me and you drop a letter from heaven and it lands at my feet, am I available. Available is when you are surrendered to whatever condition is required to meet the demand of what God has called us to do. That's what available is. I don't think as many of us are as available as we think we are. Give an example 1 Corinthians 4 2. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. you got to hear this. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, what is a steward? It's someone that is being used in an official capacity. What does the Bible say? If we're going to be used in an official capacity, the Bible says it's required... That we be what? Faithful. Faithful. Being available is not just telling God, okay, God, I'll do whatever. No, being available means I'm being faithful to the will and the word of God, however, whenever he wants me. That's what available is. Here's the problem. We think available is just, you know what, I'm here if you need me. But hear this out and write this down. Availability isn't a matter of going along. It's a matter of giving in. Availability isn't a matter of just going along It's a matter of giving in That means I am sold out I am surrendered to whatever God wants I'm not going to put a stipulation on my faithfulness I'm going to sell out to it That's when you're available Until you are surrendered and completely yielded to God You're not available Now we're living in a world today of conditional commitment It's almost an oxymoron Conditional commitment How would it have worked When you got married If you stood there before Some of you are laughing already Because you know How bad you got hurt You're standing there And you're repeating Your vows to each other And you say I'll be committed if Meatloaf on Mondays Tacos on Tuesdays And on down the line And then on a back rub Every night Before we go to bed rub my feet and trim my toenails. If she does all of that, or if he does all of that, then I'm going to be committed. Yeah, that'd be the shortest wedding in history. Wouldn't happen at all. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, till death do us part. You know what that's called? Commitment. Unconditional commitment. That's what availability is. Don't just say, I'm, I'm available to be used by God. Don't say you're available to be used by God if you're not surrendered. Don't say you're available to be used by God if it comes with caveats and conditions. No, available is available. If it's Africa, it's Africa. If it's Hattiesburg, it's Hattiesburg. If it's your neighbor or your coworker that he leads you to win to Christ, you're available for it. That's what availability means. It doesn't mean just going along. It means I have given in to whatever God would have me to do. It means I'm submitted to the conditions of whatever God calls me to. John 6, we know the story well, the feeding of the 5,000. He fed the 5,000, goes on and explains about the bread of life and who he was. He even told some of them in John chapter 6. He says, you're not here because of the miracles. You're just here because you ate bread and got fed. That's the Baptist group right there, guarantee you. They're just there, just there for the food, you know. But listen to what he says in John six sixty four. 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. Listen close. They're going along, but they haven't given in. He knew they that believe not and should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man could come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Do you know what we just read? We read about a group of people that had been going along with Christ but never given in to Christ. And when things got a little bit tough for them to swallow, they checked up and checked out. They were not really available. They were more optional. My question to us tonight is: a church, are we available or are we optional? See, what do you mean by optional? Well, optional means with conditions. I'll go. I'll go. 72 degrees. Overcast skies, slight breeze out of the north. No dogs, no dogs. If I'm going to go knock on the door, they, look, if I'm sharing Christ with them, the least they can do is put their dog up, right? No dogs. Brother John, don't take the There's Any dogs, they better be nice, and they better all be saved. That's optional. That's not available. Available means this. Look at verse eight. Here am I send me do you know what that is that's surrender that's surrender he didn't say here am i send me if it's okay he didn't say hey here am i if it's okay here are they if it's not so good he says here am i send me that was surrender that's when you know you're available can i tell you what the need for our world is today the need is availability Somebody say, okay, I'm ready for whatever. Look, if you just want me to cut the grass, church we were at in Savannah on Sunday, wonderful pastor, great people, great spirit, uh, very encouraging church uh, just to see that God's raising up churches all over the country still during this hour. And uh, he got up behind the pulpit and he says, we, we need a few folks to help cut grass. He said, we just need some folks to help cut grass. Not the most spiritual thing in the world. Uh, but we got a, they had a lot of grass there uh, at, at their uh, church, big live oak trees with moss hanging all. Beautiful, beautiful place. We just need some people to cut grass, and folks are signing up at the end of service to cut grass. That's available. Bus route, available. Nursing home, available. Man, I remember when my dad first uh, came to me and says he wanted me to start preaching at the nursing home. You know, I'm a 15, not 15, I'm a teenager, early 20s. I'm thinking, I don't know that I can relate to folks that are that much older than I am. I wasn't very happy about it. I'm thinking, you know, that's just not my thing. I didn't tell him that. Teeth. Still have them, most of them. When it comes to fulfilling the will of God and finding and fulfilling your now, whatever God says, that's your thing. Because you're surrendered. Surrendered. Available to it, social media has has done a lot of damage in our world. I believe it's really helped grow wickedness exponentially. But one of the things I think social media has done is cheapened uh, the word "follow." We've cheapened that word. I follow so and so. I follow. I have so many followers, followers, and I believe we've we've taken that word "follow" and we've moved it from the social media sphere over to our Christian walk sphere because what does it mean to be a follower on social media it means you occasionally glance at it and scroll past it most of the time is that not what we do we occasionally glanced at it and scroll past it most of the time but do we really follow it do we really follow it? following means surrender following me look if I'm going to follow Christ it's going to cost me something it cost the disciples their nets it cost Abraham his country it cost Esther, her reservations. Following God's going to cost you something. If you're not willing to pay the cost, you're not available. If you're not willing to surrender whatever it takes to be a part of the will of God to finally fulfill your now, then you're not available. That's the need in our world, availability, number one. Number two, we've got to hurry. What was the opportunity? Man, we took too much time on number one. What was the opportunity? Turn back to chapter one. I want to show you what it is. Chapter one. How do we fulfill our now? It begins with seeing the need, of op- uh, the need of availability. Now let's find the opportunity. Turn to chapter 1. And let's look down to about, oh my goodness, for the sake of time, let's go to verse 11. Watch this, these people that God is calling them to. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks, or of lambs, or of he-goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Isaiah one twelve. if you're still turning there. Verse 13, bring no more vain oblations, incense, and an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it, it It is iniquity, even the solemn meaning. For your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Watch what he says. Wash you. Make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, though they, be as white, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We'll stop right there. Now look at the people he was going to. They were worshiping, but what does the Bible say in verse number 13? Bring no more vain oblations. They were worshiping and going through the motions of worship, but they were still living in their wickedness. Therefore, their worship was in vain. And God is calling Isaiah. God says, They're worshiping me in vain, and I want you to go and share with them something real. I want you, number two, To take the opportunity of authenticity. That's number two. The opportunity of authenticity. Now, you read those verses. We'll not read all of them again. The people were very religious, but they were unrepentant. Does that sound familiar? We're living in this world in 2022 all over again. Everywhere you look, there are religious people everywhere. And they're going through these religious uh, ceremonies and these religious mechanisms of their worship. And yet he says here, I can't stand it. Look what he says in verse 13. Bring no more vain oblations, incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. That means I can't stand it. God says all of this is fake, all of this is phony, it's not real. I close my eyes, I close my ears, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it. But Isaiah, I'm calling you to go show them an authentic worship. I'm calling you to go show them something that's real. Now, folks, this is the opportunity we have in 2022. There's a lot of people, just as in Isaiah chapter 1, who are out there worshiping totally in vain. And we have the opportunity to share something authentic and real. That's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read down verse 11 down through about verse 18, 19, and 20, you will see basically people that have adopted this modern view of worship that has permeated the United States of America. Do you know what that is? It's very, very simple. It's a worship that is defined by the worshiper. All right, we're living in this same age today where I, I don't know how many people that I talk to uh, outdoor knocking, meet somebody at the gas station, and we'll talk about invite them to Central Baptist Church. And she'll say, How do you worship? I'm like, Oh, that's a loaded question. I say, You know, we just use the Bible. Can't go wrong, use the Bible. She says, Watch this. Well, this is the way I worship. I'm thinking to myself, do you know if you define the terms of worship, you are now the object of worship? If you're the one defining what worship is, you have now become the object being worshiped. But my Bible says, John 4 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must, that's guaranteed, must worship him in spirit and truth. You see, he's the object of worship. Therefore, he outlines what we should do to worship him. And yet we're living in a world today where we are defining what worship is to us. I hate to tell you something tonight, folks. It's not real, and it's in vain it's in vain. What did he say? Verse 13. It's vain. Bring no more vain oblations. Matter of fact, the other day I was watching the news and I saw President Biden on Ash Wednesday. I didn't realize it was Ash Wednesday at the time. I thought he had a bruise on his forehead. And he was getting ready to get on Marine One. He's walking over to, I really did, he's walking over to uh, the press group. And anytime our president, I pray for him, I really do. And my president walks over to the cameras, you got to tune in. You got to tune in. It's going to be good. He walks over, and they're talking about all the things going, and he says he just went, and he got the ashes put on his forehead and all this. And a very keen reporter, go back and watch it on YouTube. A very keen reporter says, how can you be a practicing Catholic and yet stand for abortion? Nailed him to the wall right there on the lawn of the White House so bad was it that his wife had to come over and pull him away and get him on the helicopter here's what he said and i quote i'm not going to make a judgment for other people i guess i guess it includes mandates too but i'm not sure on that one i'm not going to make a judgment for other people well here's something he doesn't understand It's not for him to make a judgment on. God's already made a judgment on it. And God calls the murder of the unborn an abomination before God. He doesn't get to write the book. He doesn't get to set the terms by which he lives if he's worshiping the God that I'm worshiping. No, you're not. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. That means he gets to dictate who I am and how I live. And yet we're living in a world that's writing their own rule book when it comes to religion, and it's in vain, and they're going to die and spend eternity in hell until enough of God's people see the opportunity to offer them something authentic. Do you think you have something real or not? Is it just a fuzzy feeling you get when we're singing? I mean, I know we get excited when we're singing. The preaching gets kind of quiet sometimes. You're thinking, well, if you preach as good as he sang, well, maybe we get more excited. I get it. I get it. But folks, if it is real as we say it is, if it is real as we sing about tonight, then we ought to be willing to go to those people who have a counterfeit religion and offer them something real. What a shame it was. We, we were there uh, on Sunday. We left church. We drove back into downtown Savannah. And right there across from one of our little favorite coffee shops that we found when we were there, it's a place called St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. Not sure how that works. St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. I have a lot of friends uh, that are Catholic. And you see people going through the motions and the ceremony of a religion that's all in vain and written by a man that God never had anything to do with. We sit there and we watch people come out the steps, flocks of people, beautiful church, St. John the Baptist Catholic Church there in Savannah, beautiful historic church, people flooding out of this church, and you're thinking, how sad, how sad that they're faithfully worshiping in vain. Somebody ought to go do something. That's us. You see, that's the opportunity we have, authenticity. Let's go share something real with them, or else Matthew 7 will be their lot, verse 22 Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now remember these words, I never knew you. I never knew you. Do you know what that means? It was never authentic. Just going through the motions. The sad thing is, there are going to be people who've sat in this church, people who sat beside you at work, lived beside you 30 years in your neighborhood. And we knew that they were worshiping God in vain, a man's religion, and we never took the opportunity to offer them something real. You see, this is why we're here. Look, I'm not running down any other religion, all right? My religion of being lost was just as bad as theirs. Okay? There's a lot of Baptist people that will be in hell too. You know why? Because their worship was in vain. But if we have what we say we have, which is something real, he was calling Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, here's the opportunity. Go show them something real. Real quickly, I'll give you this. I heard a story of a little boy. He was sitting in class, and they were going around the room finding out who the greatest people were. You know, who the greatest humans were uh, in their mind. The first boy raised his hand. He says, I know who the greatest human being in the world is. He said, who is it? He says, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever. Amen. He is. Okay. Michael Jordan. The teacher says, okay, who else? Little girl raised her hand. She says, Mother Teresa. She helped a lot of people, and she did. Very benevolent lady, helped a lot of people. Next kid raised his hand. This is probably me. He says, who's the greatest human that ever lived? He says, Chef Boyardee, (laughs) because he invented SpaghettiOs. The last little boy raised his hand. The teacher called on him and says, who's the greatest person? He says, well, it's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. The teacher says, well, I'm asking about somebody who is still living. The little boy says, he is. He said, he lives right here inside my heart. Here's a little boy. It was real to him. And he didn't mind sharing what was real. Folks, I'm not the bandwagon type of guy. Let's just go beat and bash people over the head who don't believe like we do. Oh, the exact opposite. I think we should go to them and share with them the great opportunity to have something real and something authentic. So number two, what's the opportunity? The opportunity is authenticity. But finally, we get down to the work. This is the one we don't like. And it's good the work is last because we usually rush through because we're usually past time, right? Go back to chapter six. I'll show you the work and then we'll go to work, amen? Chapter 6, look down to verse 5. After he saw the Lord, the Bible says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of, an, of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, here's what's amazing. With all of that wickedness going on around him, notice what he focused in on. He could have easily said, You know, you're right. There's a bunch of heathens out there living ungodly. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't know if they had those pedaling bicycles, you know, with people drinking on them there back then, maybe camels, you know, just a whole herd of camels come by and drink. I don't know if they had that, but could have said, yeah, there's some wicked people out there. No, what did he say? He says, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. This is the most important part. He focused in on himself in order to help the world see their sin He began with seeing his own sin. This is the work. Number three, the work is accountability. Accountability. It's ironic that before he goes to offer something authentic to others, he had to make sure he was authentic himself. Now, you think about that. Boy, I am ready. Boy, we get stirred up and ginned up. We had revival this year, great services, great preaching. We get excited. We're going to go and charge hell with a square pistol and help change the world, and help turn the wicked around and turn them to Christ, but you know sometimes we're overlooking ourselves looking at the world when we should be looking here first to make sure we're personally accountable to that authenticity ourselves. Now, this should go without saying, but I think we need to say it. Doing the will of God does require being in the will of God, right now. I know you're thinking, Jeremiah, we learned that in, in five-year-old kindergarten. But you know our world doesn't realize that? That in order for me to do the will of God, to do the work that God's called us to, and there's a work to be done, that in order to do the will of God, I've got to be in the will of God? I mean, folks, these people in chapter one are worshiping God, and their hands are bloody. He says, when you raise your hands and worship, I close my eyes. I don't even want to see it. And they were worshiping in vain, and yet, how often do we do the very same thing? We've not looked in, into the home first, into the heart where we live. 2 Timothy 2, I don't think you could sum it up any better than this. The Bible says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Notice this, very important. If a man therefore purge his brother. well, oh, that'd be easy, wouldn't it? Driving around with a pressure washer on the back of our truck. (laughs) We're going to clean them up. No, no, no. If a man therefore purge himself, you know what that is? That's accountability. If I want to be used by God, what was the last part said? Meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. If I want to be used by God, I've got to make sure that I'm personally accountable to the same repentance that I'm calling the world to do. How are we doing? How are we doing at home? It's easy to use that phrase, what's wrong with the world, But I think we ought to look in the mirror of God's word and make sure there's nothing wrong with us. I was laughing at myself. You ever go back and look at the posts you make on social media? They're always positive. Okay? You post a picture of something. Like my preacher brethren. Let me talk about my preacher brethren for a second. A lot of them may be watching tonight. And I'll get some hate mail from my preacher brethren in the mail. We always post, man, had so many saved today. Man, had... Fifteen first-time visitors, revival broke out, seven of the deacons got saved, you know, all this good stuff going on. We never post about the bad days, do we? Why? Because we don't want everybody to know the negative stuff. One day, I'm going to do it. Low crowd today. Only four amens in 45 minutes. Fifteen sleepers. Nobody at the altar. I'm going to do it one day brother. AJ. I'm going to do it. We don't want people to know, the truth of the fact is, we're just as broken as they are half the time. And we're in need of repentance ourselves. What did he say? Woe is me, woe is me. The work was accountability. He said, all right, Lord, I'm gonna go straighten up all those people who are worshiping fake, but first, I've gotta clean myself up. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of people with unclean lips. Years ago, there was a Native American chief came to New York City, supposedly a true story, came to see the bright lights in the big city of Broadway. As he walks down Broadway, he looks at the, the guy that he had come with. I don't know if it was a general or a politician he had come with. They're walking down the street, hustling, bustling, people everywhere, cars went around, all this kind of stuff. And the chief looks over at the man he was with, and he says, did you hear that cricket? The man says, are you kidding We're in the middle of Times Square, hustle and bustle, the noise and all of this. And just a few moments later, he walked over to a bush that was on the side of the street and he pulled a cricket right out of the, the leaves. The man says, I can't believe you heard that. He says, yeah, he says, it just all depends on what you're listening for. A few minutes later, the chief, very wise chief, pulls out a couple of coins, a quarter a nickel, a dime in his pocket. As he's walking, he just drops it to the ground. All of the sudden, it was like pigeons to bird seeds. <laughs> New York City, you know. Can you imagine what gas is up there? He says, see, you heard that because you know what that sounds like and you're listening for that. But you weren't listening for the cricket. That's why you didn't hear that. That's the way we are with our good deeds and our bad deeds. We don't hear the ones we don't want to hear. But we do hear the ones that we do want to hear. We hear the praise, don't we? We like the praise. But, folks, we're just as wicked Judgment's got to begin here The work is personal accountability if a man therefore purge himself Romans 14 12 says so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God You know there's going to come a day when you're going to see yourself exactly the way God sees you It's best if we do it now that way, when we do see ourselves before Him and give an account, it'll be a whole lot better then than if we ignore it down here because it allows us to be used of God and accomplish more. The work, what did He say? Woe is me, for I am undone. He says, I, I've got some work to do. I've got to be accountable. I've got to be accountable. Folks, there's a need out there. There's a need. It's availability. Are you available? Are you available? You say, absolutely. Whatever God needs, I'm here. Are you sure? Are you sure? Available means surrendered. Available means anything, no conditions, God. Here am I, send me. I'm all alone, wherever you say. That's available. That's the need. What's the opportunity? Authenticity. There's a world out there, just like many of us at times, that's worshiping in vain. Religion never saved anybody. It's an authentic personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the opportunity we have, to share something real. But what's the work? Accountability. We've got to make sure that we're right ourselves before we go. And we get that vessel purged. If a man therefore purge himself, that means I come before an almighty God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Say, God, would you show me where the spots are at? Would you show me where the impurities are at? Will you show me what's going to 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 sully the opportunity for me to work for you. God just pointed out, I'm going to get rid of it. Why? Because I want to be used now. Accountability. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I think we would all agree tonight the need is available.